0: Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash Eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles Beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss uh, the defensive turnover drought for the Eagles, the positives with Carson Wentz. Yes, there were some against the Bengals, and we're going to preview the week four matchup against the 49ers. Chris, how are you doing today?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, it's It's going to be interesting to see if they can actually pick up their first win whenever that is, and I mean, looking ahead, you got a 49ers team that, even though they're missing a lot of people, it's going to be tough, but looking forward to break it down and see if that first win really is coming this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I've got this weird sense of optimism, but I don't know why. Uh, (laughs) Like, I think the game is going to be close. I don't think they're going to win. It's tough to travel across the country, but that said, I feel like it's tougher to travel from the West Coast to the East Coast as opposed to the East Coast to the West Coast. Um, Having lived on both coasts, I can tell you that having football early in the morning is very, very fun. Having football at night is kind of lame because it makes you feel like everybody else on the East Coast. Um, Excuse me. So uh, something I wanted to talk about that... I feel like is going completely unnoticed and not discussed enough is the fact that the Eagles have turnover issues on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Carson Wentz has coughed up a league high seven turnovers in three games. Uh, the Eagles have the most turnovers in the league with eight. Obviously Miles Sanders had that fumble against the Rams. Um, and then their turnover ratio is also pretty terrible as the Eagles are the, are one of two teams in the league, along with the Houston Texans who have yet to create a turnover on defense. The Eagles lone takeaway of the season came on special teams. TJ Edwards knocked the ball out of Cooper cups hands during a punt return. And that was recovered by Kayvon Wallace. Um, look, this team prides itself on making plays. We heard about it all off season and they've moved from a, uh, a they've moved on from favoring zone coverage to man coverage with Darius Slay being here. Darius Slay has been a phenomenal addition. The issue is everyone else is having to adapt to him being on the field. And frankly, I'm not sure it's producing positive results for the rest of the secondary. What says you Chris?
1: Well, I think when I I think it's best I think overall to still re- maintain the man to man defense. The main thing I would probably start looking at is safety. The safeties, Rodney McLeod, and also Jalen Mills. A lot of these times when you go to man to man, especially if I don't I see a lot more true man. I don't see a lot of man man under or anything like that. But when it, or coverage or safety high up top. But I think it might be a little bit more time if they start playing that way and watching these safeties to see if they start undercutting their routes. A lot of times, you see they're they're doing a good job, like getting the pass deflections, and it is tough to turn around when you have to turn turn your head around while you're trying to check to see where the receiver and the ball is at the same time. It's tough, but I think they're going. I think the way that this defense is set up, at least in the secondary wise, it's okay. I think it's like a lot of things; it comes down to execution, and I think got, getting the guys acclimated to go ahead and playing this, especially af- after playing all those years, especially most of the guys in the secondary playing a lot of years, playing a lot of the cover three, cover two, just straight-up zone and not relying mostly on man-to-man. So I think when you have a guy like Darius Slay, I think it brings a lot of positives, and I think they maintain that. And look, I think it's also going to be – I think it'll come in bunches when this defensive line gets more pass rushes, tr- start forcing these quarterbacks to start throwing the ball a little bit more quicker, and then that increases the champ- opportunities for takeaways. But the main thing is these safeties have to get more involved in trying to go ahead and be ball hawks.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the, there needs to be a sense of urgency here because, yes, Carson Wentz has been a one-man turnover machine, but the the Eagles have been in all of these games. Out, I, I mean, we're in week one's game. They were in week three's game, obviously, tying the game. They probably could have won the game with a turnover against Washington. They could have probably won the game with a turnover against the Bengals, just stealing an extra possession. Um... Look, when your quarterback's struggling and your offense is banged up, you need all the help you can get. And frankly, you know, Rodney McLeod's been a pretty decent ball hawk during his time in Philadelphia. Jalen Mills has some ball skills. Uh, Obviously, Darius Slay is a guy who can make interceptions, um, but he hasn't been thrown to a ton because, well, Avante Maddox seems like a much better option to target. Uh, Now Avante's out. They're gonna target the heck out of Trevor Williams, who has a hip injury, or a ribs injury, excuse me, coming into this game. He's gonna have to make some plays on the ball. Like he it's just like that's what it is. And they're gonna have to design the defense to really, you know, take advantage of the pressure that the defensive front's getting. Look, the defense had 18 quarterback hits and eight sacks last week against the Bengals. Obviously the 49ers have a much better offensive line, but like you need to be able to create turnovers and give your offense some extra possessions, especially in close games. Like if they got one, ter- if they stole one possession against the Bengals, that game's over. Um, oh. Especially with the way that everything was going. If they got one turnover against the, during the Redskins like revival in the second half, they probably would have curbed their momentum and won that game. Like that to me is what, is really an underlying issue for this team is, you know, everybody acts like they have to support each other, but in pure data and pure playmaking form, the level of support from the offense and defense is pretty off base. I'd also say the, the Carson Wentz's weapons are really not performing around him. I thought Greg Ward had a really terrific game against Cincinnati. Um, <clears throat> but, and I thought John Hightower played pretty well, but outside, Oh, and Zach Ertz, obviously. But uh, I, I just don't think like he's getting the type of support he needs. And I think, you know, when you're quarterback slumping, you need your defense to step up. I think the pass rush has done that. I just don't see where the secondary and the linebackers are really playing into this and, and making the most of their ability. Now that said, going into San Francisco, which we'll preview later, you know, I think there will be some opportunities here and I'm not even just talking about interceptions. I think there will be fumble opportunities as the 49ers are a terrific run team, but they are also banged up at the running back position. So you'll have guys out there. Jerick McKinnon's not a big dude. Uh, If they can force some turnovers, I think they'll be in really good shape. But moving on from that, I wanted to discuss Carson Wentz's positives. Uh, You're a positive guy, Chris. Um, You watch the tape against the Bengals. I actually took away quite a bit, quite a few positive. I mean, he's still playing terribly, but I, I, from a mental standpoint, you're seeing some sort of evolution, like he's reading his clips, maybe. Um, What did you take away from the Bengals game after rewatching it?
1: Well, I think the best thing that I saw out of him is he was he was using his legs more, and he was more. He seemed more instinctual, if if that yes, if that makes sense. Because the main thing was you saw him moving up. You saw the Carson Wins of old at times. You saw a guy when he saw his pressure, he did the little duck move. He roll out to his left, or he actually, I mean, Parrish thought they actually ran the read option, and he actually kept it this time. And you saw that the defense defenses have been so used to him not even the team not a not even running it, and b Having a quarterback, act, having the Eagles' quarterback actually keep it, I thought that was that puts a lot of pressure on opposing defensive ends. I think that does a lot. That it just adds more things that opposing defenses are going to have to think of when they start seeing this offense. They're going to need every little thing that they every little thing they can get with these next few weeks. But I think another thing I saw Wentz do a little bit more. I think that was better than what he did last the first two weeks as opposed to last week was he looked more, he seemed to be going through his progressions and not locking on to Zach Ertz. But when it came down, one thing, I know it's going to the negative, but when it comes down to crunch time, he seems to find Zach Ertz. But he looked like he was going through his progressions a lot more naturally. than I think. That's why I think he saw a lot more pet targets going to Greg Ward, I think, because Ward was getting open. And I thought he did a little bit better job on that. But I think if he continues to go ahead and use his legs, I would love to see Peterson and the conclave of Offensive coaches continue to go ahead and use his mobility not and not hamper him, just let him be more instinctual, and also using the up-tempo. I think he just goes out there. He just feels more comfortable. He's been running that since he was in North Dakota State, and when you see when they actually go up-tempo, he just seems to be in his element. So he, he seems to still have command of this offense. He, he seems to be making improvements. Now he just has to put it all together for 60 minutes and not just wait for, okay, well, we're behind and – we need to go ahead and win this game somehow or, and, and, and be good in the fourth quarter. He needs to do a, have a complete four quarter effort instead of like a late game heroics, but there there are positives there, but he still needs, like you said, he still needs some improvement there.
0: Yeah. I think what I, what I liked about the performance is he seemed like he was being cognizant of situational football, right? Like he threw the ball away a couple of times. he, he, when he was patient in the pocket it was because he was keeping his eyes downfield and not because he was trying to make that one target um open you know he he the, for instance the touchdown run he played that pretty cool he play, he look he got a lot of protection and a lot of time and then when he saw an opening he ran for it um we we generally harp on holding on to the ball for too long it's okay to hold on to the ball for a while if you're getting protection but when you don't have a play there it's important to throw the ball away and he had situations where both occurred where he was getting tons of protection and was looking for a lane that's fine he also had moments where you know jason peters was getting mauled by a pass rusher and he had to bounce off a pass rush a sack attempt and then he realized, look, everybody's covered. I've got to throw the ball away. So I thought he he looked smart. Um, he had that 24-yard run, which tied a career high. That Look, you've just got to be aware of your surroundings. And I think that was something that was a major problem in the first two weeks. You know, it's sometimes you just need to be told something three times. Yeah, that's frustrating as a manager or as a coach. But, you know, maybe Carson's starting to become more you know, situationally aware because frankly, he's been awful. Otherwise, look, there were still some terrible moments. The, the decision to throw to Deshaun Jackson in triple coverage was bananas. <laughs> uh, his late interception was not very, it was, it was not a good placement throw. It was a good decision. Um, initially I thought it was a bad decision because uh, it just kind of seemed like, he threw it inside and maybe there was confusion on the route, but no, that was clearly a, a, a sideline fade and he put the ball on the cornerback as opposed to Ertz. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on there as far as like his chemistry with weapons. But I mean, Zach Ertz is a guy he's had since he was a baby. You know what I mean? Like he he's known. I mean, they've had chemistry for five years It is weird that in year five, Carson Wentz is acting like a rookie quarterback, and I think that that's maybe the most alarming thing about this season. I think it speaks to coaching. I think it speaks to his willingness to take on coaching. Um, I think they've done a lot of things that marry the pass and the run, and I don't know if Carson's necessarily comfortable with that. I also think, like you said, he's a tempo quarterback. Like That's what he is. He's a rhythm guy. And moving, you obviously can't do that with every play. There's injuries, there's guys that need uh, rest, there's running backs that need to come out because they're apparently feeling fatigued. Uh, But yeah, I mean, tempo has worked for this team. Every time they go into tempo, good things happen. So uh, I'd like to see a lot more of that. I'd also say as we go into this preview... Keep in mind, <clears throat> even with the injuries the 49ers have, they are a phenomenal run team. So we'll, we'll get into that as well. Um, another thing I wanted to kind of discuss is Jalen Hurts. I mean, look, you can't just ignore Jalen Hurts. I know he only had three plays against the Bengals, but I think this is a really good opportunity to use him, especially in the red zone. Um <clears throat> The 49ers defensive lines banged up. Their linebackers are probably their weakness of their team, although I think uh, Warner is a pretty good player. Um, I think you need to keep the defense off balance. How do you see Jalen Hurts fitting into this offense moving forward now that we've kind of seen him for two weeks?
1: Well, I think he does provide a unique skill set to go ahead and use in some of these situations. I just – I wonder – the, when they actually decide to go ahead and use that because a lot of times, like you said, if Win- it well, I'll say this. If Wentz is in a rhythm, the last thing I want to go ahead and see is, okay, let's bring out Jalen Hurts and like, feel like you're forced to bring out Jalen Hurts as you're moving into the red zone and it just breaks everything up. And then next thing you know, you're settling for three points as opposed to seven. But I think when they go ahead and they actually use it, bring him in when they have brought him in, I think it's been a decent job scheming stuff up. You've seen a lot of the defense's Focus heavily on him, and I think he also brings in a, another option when it goes ahead and run and doing these run plays because he definitely has the speed and the agility to go ahead and make some things happen. I the one thing also I'm I'm looking f- for is if it does come down to using his, his decision making if they decide to use him for a pass. I mean, he after all he still is a rookie quarterback, and the the defenses, the NFL defenses are going to be way better than in those Big Twelve. Big 12 defense he saw. I know he had time in the SEC, but he really flourished in that Oklahoma system against the Big 12. So I just worry a little bit when they decide to use him. But I think if they continue to go ahead and get really creative, and, and the key word for this Eagles offense is going to be creativity from here on out with people being banged up. But if you go ahead, and I have no problem with him. Throwing him in the backfield at the same time with Wentz, I think that causes more confusion, and if anything, then having him split wide, because Lord knows how many times we've seen the Wildcat quarterback goes on the outside, and you know if Wentz is lined up as a receiver, you, nine times out of ten, though he's not getting the ball out there. So I, I want to see him be more creative with both of them in the backfield as opposed to splitting one of them out and seeing how they use them for going forward.
0: So let's get into our, our uh, preview this game, okay? Um, I presume that you've been able to watch some tape on the 49ers. Obviously we've been able to watch them on TV. They've been highlighted pretty well. Um, look, I think the key here is with Jimmy Garoppolo not practicing on Wednesday, um, we're recording this Thursday morning, so we don't know what the rest of his injury history is going to be. Let's presume that he's not playing. Nick Mullins is a good quarterback. Uh, he's come in in relief effort over the last three years and played pretty well. They just stomped the giants who are not very good, but, Um, I think there's a lot to like there. And he did it without like half of his contributors on offense and defense. George uh, Kittle is going to be back. uh, It looks like from his knee injury, that's obviously going to be a disaster for the linebackers. But I think the key to this game is running the football. And so from that standpoint, Kyle Shanahan's known for that Shanahan style that his father uh, developed when he was in Denver. Um, they're gonna run the football. And I think it's gonna be a big challenge for the Eagles. What says you?
1: Well, I think the main thing that they have going the Eagles have going for them is the run. I think the defensive line's ability to go ahead and play the run defense. I think I have no problem with that, especially with the 49ers Western Rich Western Richburg being out. I think that's gonna be key. The thing I want to see is now like our guys like Fletcher Cox had a great game last week against Cincinnati. Can he have that same type of game against for the 49ers, which I think he can, especially with Richburg being out, and Hargrave too. I think that that trio, the one that Devonted trio that we've heard so much about, how they were going to be used in Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and Malik Jackson, they're going to be they're going to have to earn their money this week because I think if they go ahead and continue to go ahead and stop that run game in the middle and force that pressure not only for to stop the run game but also have Mullins see stuff in, right in front of his face, I think that's going to be key. And we talked about it a lot when the Eagles were playing the Rams, but it's going to be imperative uh, once again that Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett set the edge and not be fooled by these sweeps because if they go, I saw a lot of run action where they pull a lot of these guards and they're at the, the 49ers guards are very athletic. And if they go ahead and just continue, just to go pass not whole contain, it's going to be a long afternoon because you'll You'll see the wide receivers go ahead and, and and get that edge. So I think it's it, it all is going to start. I know it's the old it's oh, it all starts with the defensive line, offensive line. I think when it comes to the Eagles' defensive line, they're going to have to be the ones to set the tone because once they get to that second level, I, I have no, I don't have the most confidence in these linebackers right now, and I'm worried about Shanahan formationally when it comes to shifting the motions over, getting one on tar- one one on one targets against Nate Gary because. I'm not really feeling <laughs> that confident on Kittle versus Gary, and also when it comes to even Kittle versus Mills right now, I think just for the physical aspect, I think Kittle versus Mills scares me, and we we all know the struggles that Gary has had so far in pass coverage at times. So this this is a little uh, stomach churning a little bit when you start to look at the way everything is uh, setting up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think from from my standpoint, when when you look at the defense, Robert Sala has has really kind of evolved as a as a uh as a defensive play caller, they're a dangerous defense. Um I know that they're banged up there. Uh Carson Wentz is gonna have to be careful with this football. Um he, as you brought up on on the offensive side for the 49ers, they're a team that can make big plays. Well on defense they can make big plays too. And I think what's concerning for me is if you're Carson Wentz, can you get baited into some cover three looks? Can you um, maybe be a little too hesitant in the pocket and then get creamed by a, a defensive lineman? This is a fast defense. I know they don't have Bosa. Uh, I, I know their secondary is banged up, but um, this is an opportunistic defense. Sala, uh, I used to cover him when I was in Jacksonville. He was the linebackers coach. I mean, his rise up the NFL ranks has been extremely impressive. Um, and, and when you look at the uh, 49ers step chart, and frankly, what the Eagles have going into this game, they've got so many injuries. Um, I don't know if you can be like the bad news bears with this Eagles team and, and go in and and make big plays. I think you're just going to have to be slow and steady, and you're going to have to win the race with Miles Sanders, who hopefully is less fatigued this week than he was against the Bengals because the Eagles moved away from the run in week three, and I think that's what ended up costing them a win. Um, What, what do you think?
1: I think the main thing is going to be – And I think when it comes to – it's going to be third downs and turnovers. I think it really is going down. Like The thing that's frustrating with this offense – I was looking up the stats the other day, and here's something that that really gets me. San Francisco and Philadelphia are third and fourth in third down conversions percentage-wise. So you're thinking if a team can go ahead and convert on third down to what the clip the Eagles do, why are they still winless through these first three games? But then it comes down to turnover differential, plus three. San Francisco's plus three, the Eagles are minus seven. So you can't you can't have stuff like that, and I think that's what the if they're able to go ahead and limit the turnovers. I mean, even if they don't get, they're probably and just by a heart of hearts, there may be one fumble in this game. Just just the nature of the game develops. If they if Wentz doesn't throw the turn the ball over, I think they stay in this game. That and that's the frustrating part. Even when it comes to red zone turnover touchdowns, like scoring touchdowns and turnovers, they're very close to each other. But if you look, if you just put the stats on paper right now, put both teams head to head, you're like, well, this, why are the records so differently? I just think, and I think the players that they have right now, when it comes to injuries, I think the Eagles. If you looked before the season, I think on paper right now, if you put both lineups head to head, the Eagles would have the edge. But it's all about this turnover, about these turnovers. If they ever decide to rectify this and actually hold on a ball and value it like it should be. Maybe we're talking about a whole different game, but it, it's that's the frustrating part when you look at this game coming up. You're looking at what this team, when you look at what the team could be like, and you look at San Fran, and you look what the Eagles are right now. So if they're able to go ahead and hold on to the ball and actually play and keep the ball and keep the ball on the ground themselves and utilize Sanders, we could be looking at a very close game. I don't think it's a win, but you're looking at a very close game. But they they have to, have to, have to limit these turnovers.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the bottom line. If you can't <laughs> hold onto the ball, you're going to lose in the NFL, right? I mean, look, this is this is a league where one play can make a major difference, and I think we've seen that in the last three weeks. Seven turnovers from one quarterback alone. I mean, he's tied for the, the most interceptions in the league with Kirk Cousins at six. He's also had that fumble. Um, I mean, look eventually Carson Wentz needs to step up and be the guy you know what I mean like he needs to recapture whatever was lost over the summer I guess and he's gonna have to be a big boy in in prime time I mean really that's what it comes down to the three keys to this game in my opinion are Carson Wentz playing mistake-free football uh, getting turnovers on defense and using Miles Sanders like he's Miles Sanders Those are the three keys. You want to play takeaway ball on the ground with Miles Sanders. You want to make sure that you're creating other uh, extra opportunities for the offense against potentially a backup quarterback who is still good. But if you can make him force the ball out with pressure, perhaps, you know, a couple of strip sacks, you're feeling good about yourself. And then most importantly, like I said, keep the ball in your hands, or in the hands of your teammates as opposed to the defense when, when it comes to Carson Wentz, um, you know, the Eagles have a laundry list of injuries. And now that we've kind of previewed the 49ers game, it's, at, I wanted to ask you at what point do the injuries become a valid excuse for why this team isn't playing well?
1: I don't personally, I I'm from the school of it. It doesn't at all, unless it's at a key, unless it's at a key position, such as quarterback, or unless it's at a position like left tackle, that's the only time I really think it really should be a valid excuse. I mean, I know there's people going to say, well, Jeffrey hasn't played yet and you lost Dallas Goddard, but this is where you start to look at where your front office, when the decisions they've made either via through the draft or through free agency or in through and through player development, this is where you start to go ahead and look at this for situations such as this. So I'm from the school of this. There should not be, any major things listen to, to those injuries, those key areas. I think if you look at the way this uh, Jackson, he's you relied on a guy who really shouldn't be your number one option, not because of his play, but because, well, actually I'll take it back because, of his play only because he's not available. You never see him on, you don't, can't rely on him regularly being out there. And if he does decide to dress that game because he's healthy enough to play you may see him for a quarter or two or there's some other reason that they're limiting him from being out there. Uh, Rager, I know, is, he, I know everybody was high on him, but and I think I was at fault for this too. He's a rookie wide receivers and rookie wide receivers do have a tough time when they're trying to adjust to the NFL game. And they're not immediately, they don't make an impact immediately, consistently. So I think when you look at these injuries, it's rough. I know it's a litany of them but this is where you really have to start looking at the job that Howie Roseman, Weidel and everybody else in that front office did in order to go ahead and try to construct this roster and make sure that they had enough depth to go ahead and survive some of these injuries in some of these areas.
0: Yeah. I mean, part of it, I don't want to say anybody took coronavirus lightly or expected it to be done, you know, in a matter of months. But when you look at the, the way they assembled this roster, at the beginning of this coronavirus pandemic, it did kind of seem like they felt like guys could make it through the season pretty, pretty well. We said for weeks that the secondary had pretty rough depth. We've said for weeks that the linebacker group is very paper thin. We've said for weeks that the defensive line is expensive, but very front loaded. Um, I think wide receiver You know, we also said you've got three rookies that you're trying to integrate into this offense. That might not work. You know, I I think all of these issues were apparent if there were several injuries or the rev-up time didn't help. And look, guys have not had the opportunity to really train like it's a normal training camp. We're seeing massive clouts of injuries all across the league. The 49ers are are the only team maybe more banged up than the Eagles. So... Look, I, I think the lack of foresight here is what's concerning. I will say, from a wide receiver standpoint, I think the only option that they turned down that I I would really give them beef for was DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's a guy who erases mistakes. He erases inaccuracy at the quarterback position. The issue there is when you look at their cap situation for the next several years. Probably not the best. And I think a lot of people are are hating on the Darius Slay trade. I think he's played very, very well. Um, I think he's been a legit number one corner and it's shown. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, you're always going to favor the offense if you're an Eagles fan for the most part. I think this is a team that's going to be in a rebuilding process come next year, and it's going to be a pretty in-depth one. But also consider the fact that their cap space rebounds pretty incredibly in 2022 um and they're gonna have draft picks so look let's say they don't turn this around which I don't think they will at this point um you know if you're a fan of like Madden and you really like rebuilding a roster your boy you've got an offseason coming (laughs) that you're gonna have a lot of fun like I like I like tracking the bottom of the roster as we all know and uh you know maybe there's gonna be some opportunities listen I'll tell you this if they lose this game and they lose this game handily, the main topic of next Thursday's show is going to be, what can the Eagles get for Zach Ertz? What can the Eagles get for guys like Malik Jackson and, um, you know, uh, maybe Rodney McLeod and stuff like that? Because at some point you've got to play these young players. You've got to figure out what you have. And right now it's not looking very good. So playing with older players when you are 05 and one or 06 and one you know, you've got to have a plan coming out of the bye week where you're going to let the young kids play and realize that playing older players at this point is a wash. And look, you know, you hope that the 49ers cough up this game in an upset and the Eagles feel like they can surge. But then the next week you're playing an undefeated uh, Pittsburgh Steelers team who's getting a, a, a free bye week out of, the fact that the Titans had a COVID outbreak. So it doesn't get any easier for from here. Uh, I think the Ravens had their one blip of the season against the Chiefs, who were clearly the best team in the league. Uh, and I think they're going to be a tough out. Cool, you can beat the Giants, but everybody can beat the Giants. The Cowboys are, are kind of a mess, but they shouldn't be. Um, I just don't see how you get wins outside the NFC East this season. If you're going to continue to play the way you do, so for Chris, I'm Mike. Make sure you download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. Make sure you sign up for uh, Eagles Extra, which is a tech service. We'll send you all the updates during the game. Uh, if you have to go to sleep early, you'll have everything straight to your phone. Um, put it on silent, obviously, but we'll give you updates throughout the game. On top of that, you'll have all of our analysis ready to go on monday morning Uh, i know it's a late game for a lot of people and a lot of people have to get up for work and frankly being oh two and one it's probably not the best incentive for wanting to stay up till midnight to watch a game um but again for chris i'm mike thanks for listening to the no huddle show podcast we'll talk to you uh monday morning